It's nice to be with you. Um, I'm more than blessed to be here, and believe me, this is like uh, my dessert, because I've been here Friday, we did Friday night service, and then we did, well, we call it a service, because the Lord worked, and then it was Sunday, Saturday morning, and then we had the afternoon, and then we had another one at night, so this is my sixth time, so this is my dessert, so if you allow me, I will be just a little bit freer, in the sense that I have no, no time now. So are you ready to stay with me until Jesus comes back? Don't worry, he'll feed you. <laughs> no, I won't do that. It's nice to see you. Today I'd like to speak to you, but before I'd like to pray, because unless God is in it, unless Jesus is centered, and unless the Holy Spirit has access, all you hear is from me, and I don't think you want to hear me. You want to hear what God has to say to the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So um, I did a couple of um, bloopers in the first service, so I'll try not to do them in the second. And if you don't, if, and, and, and if I do, please forgive me. I'm French, okay? <laughs> Just love us through. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Without you, we can do nothing. You are our Heavenly Father, and Jesus, you're the one who's building your church. You're the head of the church. We're not. We're just following you. So the Holy Spirit that you sent that is here right now, our counselor, our comforter, comforter, who knows the heart of the Father. Well, Holy Spirit, we give you 100% as we did in worship now in the message. All that we want is for you, Holy Spirit, to touch our hearts because you know the heart of the Father. May we see you. May we not see me. Yes, I am your vessel. But above all, May we see you, God. May we see you, Jesus, the center. And may Holy Spirit, you may use us however you want. And we will give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because it's all up to you and it's all about you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I'd like to talk to you today about lost in church. How can we be lost in church? I'm a... I was born and raised in church. My mom was going and my dad were going to be separated. They had three, three children and my dad was having, a, let's say, a hard time with my mom and they were going to be on separating and God touched my father by a neighbor and the neighbor brought my father to the Lord and my father, the God just transformed his life. And within, I don't know, only God could do it, he started taking care of my mom and taking care of the children. And my mom saw that and said, if God can do it for him, well, he can do it for me. So she gave her heart to Christ. And seven months after, ta-da, here I come. <laughs> and I was born and raised, and I was the first one to be born in a Christian home. So I go from there. And... In the church where we're raised, we were raised in the old-fashioned way, you know. I can tell you there was no TV in my house. We had the Lord. <laughs> I didn't go swimming on Sundays. I had the Lord. <laughs> and we had good clothes on Sunday and bad clothes in the week. I don't know why they say put the good clothes and the bad clothes, but they were clothes. But that's how we were raised and for us, it was normal. 
And we were raised, and my mom and my dad, who love the Lord and serve the Lord, and they wanted to serve the Lord. But we're lost in church sometimes. Isn't it true? We know how to do things in church. We know how to operate in church. We've been raised in church. So you know when to stand up, when to sit down, and when to raise your hand. If you don't, your mother will remember, remind you. The holy hand of the Lord will be upon you saying, get up. <laughs> Lost in church. Page down. This is what, uh, this is what the P- Apostle Paul and Apostle uh, Peter say. We live in tents. So you can look at your body, sir. You can look at it. Look at your body. Yes, you see it every day, but look at it. It's only a tent. Okay, it's temporary. You can say amen or hallelujah, or you can cry because you're going to lose it one day. But this is what the Bible says. Peter says this, and I think it right as long as I am in this tabernacle. What does he say? In this tabernacle to stir up by putting you in remembrance. And what Peter wanted to remind you is that you're temporary in that body. So the inside will, will, will go with the Lord, but the outside, enjoy it while you can, okay? And then, not only Peter says it, but Paul says it also in Corinthians. He says, for we know that if the earthly house of our, I didn't hear you, our, that's another word for tent, okay? Be dissolved. Oh, enjoy it, for your body will be dissolved, Some people are really happy right now. We have a building from God. Oh, you're going to transfer, Jude. You're going to transfer from that body, which you're taking care and loving, and you're going to transfer, it's going to be dissolved, into a house not made of hands, eternal in heaven. We are all going to transfer one day or another. So what you're seeing, what I'm seeing, is something that is temporary. So you might enjoy it, and it's fun to see what you have, but you may work on it, but I'm telling you, work all you want. That one will be destroyed because there's another one in heaven. As we grow older, we're more and more happy to know that we're going to transfer. But when we're young, we don't like it. We work hard for that body at the gym. Isn't it true, young people? Yes, huh? They're allowed to play volleyball until 11.30 midnight. If I do that, I won't be preaching this morning. I'll be on the floor. <laughs> Isn't it true? As much as I want the law of gravity, huh? we will go down. So sometimes we look at people in church and we see and we go with what we see. Isn't it true? So my mind went for Sunday school, I'm sorry, for the people who like it really spiritual and all the theology, I'll give you Sunday school this morning. I'd like to show you, my mind went, what kind of tents exist in this world? So this is one of the pictures I saw. Isn't it cool? How many would like to go in that tent? And how many say, are you kidding? I ain't getting in that thing. But it, mind, it reminds me of certain Christians that are in the tent, but they are always dependent on somebody. Do you know these people? Huh? They grab on to the Lord. They come and they grab on to you and they love you and they want and you're their security. But we love them because that's the body of Christ. Other people are like these. This is another thing that I find. Ooh, isn't it cool? Huh? 
They don't stay at the same place. They're always moving. Do you know these Christians? The Holy Spirit is working here. They'll be here two years. And then they found out in Fredericton, there's another one that the church has gone to. So they're there in Fredericton for another one year or two. And then they say, oh, the store, the Holy Spirit is in Quebec. Let's move to Quebec. But we love them because they're the body of Christ. Isn't it true? It's okay. It's the body of Christ. We love them. Page down. This isn't a, ooh, that's a tent I would want to live in. <laughs> Isn't it cool? Huh? It's all luxury. Do you know these Christians? Huh? It's all about the love, the things of the world. They have their inside. So we go in therapy, and I have nothing against therapy, but they take care of their inside. Do you know these Christians? Huh? It's all about inside. They don't care how they look because it's all about the inside. But it's okay. It's okay. God loves you and I love you and it's all okay. But some of them are like the other tent. Look at that one. Ooh. It's all about the outside. How you look. How I'm dressed. And you see the people coming in and, and you think that They, it took them an hour and a half to prepare, but when they come in, they say, oh, I just put this on. <laughs> and they're waiting for you to say, isn't that nice? Oh, you noticed. Yes, God bless you. <laughs> Do you know these Christians? Huh? They have dreads. Huh? <laughs> And the young men... They took a, they went outside and they took a t-shirt. They wear a large, but they took a small. <laughs> Do we love them? Of course we love them. We see the menu God gave them. Hey, enjoy it. It's going south. It's going south. <laughs> Isn't it true? But we love them because they're the body of Christ. So, praise God for the beautiful people and beautiful clothes and praise God for the ones that are working on it. And praise God, that's the body of Christ. Hmm. Page down. Look at that one. These are the Christians who are half in the tent, half in the world, and half flirting with the world. Huh? There's a lion. It's the enemy. But they like to tent the enemy. So they go right as far as they can, without falling into temptation. But we love them. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. You're not sure. Yes, we do. <laughs> Because it's the body of Christ. We're all different. Everyone in their body, it's not what I'm seeing right now. If God would open your heart and he would show the movie of your life, and your thoughts on the big screen. How many of you would stay here and say, hallelujah, you're going to see my life? Or how many would be under the, stay under the chair and say, oh God, don't tell them it's my name. I ch oh no. But in reality, it shouldn't matter what you're living and who you are. In the body of Christ, we should see only Christ in you and knowing that he's working on you, he's working on me, and let's just love the Lord. Let's just be a hospital for those who need. Jesus said it's not those who are well that need. It's the ones that are sick. 
So when people say, you're sick, I say, oh, you bet your eyes I'm sick. I like to go to church and just let the Lord work in my life. I had a brother-in-law once say to me, oh, Phil, you have a, uh, in French, on dit un, un béquille. A crutch. Thank you. You're going to be my translator. A crutch. You have a crutch. It's God. And I said, you better believe it. I have a crutch. And I'm leaning on him all the way to heaven. I don't mind having a crutch that's called Jesus. I don't mind to be a lover of Jesus, of God. I don't mind that the people know that I can't make it, that I will fall. I don't care because it's the truth. So might as well say it to the truth. And for you, do you and I'll do me and I'll do the best that I can and you do you. Now let me crutch on God and I'm okay with that. And let the Spirit work, work in my life. Because in reality, the body of Christ is people from all over, page down. And what Paul and Peter were really talking is about this tent. It has nothing to do with beauty. It has nothing to do with inside. It's just a tent that the army used. And that's how they did it in those days. It, it, he wanted, he wanted to, to show you that in reality, what God really looks, it's not at what you look outside, it's what you look inside. And often I saw when God worked the inside, the outside will come. So why are we trying to change you from the outside in when God works always from in to out? Isn't it weird? It's like changing your car, but the motor is not working well. And you go to the garage and say, put a beautiful door, paint it red, put some stickers in it. But the motor doesn't work well. So he comes out with a beautiful car and, da -da 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 -da, and that's all you have and he can't go far. A lot of Christians, we work like that. We want God to work the outside, but not the inside because it's going to show. Because when the mechanic opens up the motor, he sees the truth. You didn't do your, your oil change. You didn't put a strap in there that you should have done. And that is, we don't want people to know we failed. But I have a question for you. If God already knows, why not tell him? Because if he had to point fingers at you, he would have done it a long time ago. But it's not a finger that God has towards you. It's a hand that says, I will help you. I will help you. And that's who we serve, a wonderful God. Page down. The, my, my, the, the, the biblical part comes from, I was watching and studying the parables of Jesus in Luke in chapter 15 and 16. And it's the parable of the hundred sheep and one goes outside. Remember that one? Ever saw a sheep, by the way? Stupid animals. But did you ever, ever, ever saw a sheep? Study the sheep. When Jesus says you're like a sheep, don't smile. They're idiots. Because they really, I didn't say you were idiots. I said the sheep are. Because one goes, oh, and the other one goes, oh. They're not going. They're, they're following. Somebody's going over a cliff, but they don't care. Oh. Why am I saying, I didn't even say this in the first service. Anyway, God wants to speak to somebody. No. <laughs> the second one is the woman having 10 pieces of silver. If she loses one piece, where is the piece lost? Inside the house. 
That's the, that's the parable. She loses inside the house and she cleans it everywhere. Then the th- but it's inside. Then the other one is a man had two sons. The younger of them took his journey into a far country. Where does the young man go? Outside the house. So he's lost outside. And the last one is about a rich man who had a steward and he was wasting the goods. Where was he wasting the goods? Outside. But there's one parable. That's the one that caught my eye. The person, the woman lost her peace inside. Page down and let's read it. It's two verses. It's not long. But it says, Or a woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doeth not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And then when she hath found it, she calleth, Isn't it wonderful, King James? She calleth together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And for me, it was always wondering, how much was worth the piece of silver? Because if I lose 25 cents, will I go into my house and clean the whole house to find my quarter? How many will do that? If so, come, I will pray for you. (laughs) How many of you would do that? How about you ladies sitting on the front, you're beige and whatever, with a purse right beside you, and I feel God is telling you something. No. How, how, (laughs) would you clean your whole house? You wouldn't. Tell that to your husband. Is that your husband? Yeah, she doesn't care about quarters, so you can keep them all. But you... (laughs) So my thought was, how much is worth it? Because I wouldn't clean for 25. I would pass the vacuum cleaner and zoom, 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 and clink, 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 clink. Oh, there it is. And I don't even know if I'd open it. I'd just say, God, bless somebody. You know, maybe a fish needs it somewhere. It happened to Jesus, you know. Then this is what I found out. The one piece of silver was an image of Tiberius, was made in 1480, had about the value of 16 cents, but it was a one day's worth. So it's not cheap. So if you work at $20 an hour for eight hours, how much is it? Okay, no accountant in the place? A hundred and... $160. Now, ma'am, I come back to you. You lost $160. Will you clean your house? You got how to, you know. So she would clean her house. How many of you would clean your house? Oh, look at that, huh? I would clean it for sure. Isn't it awesome? The surprising thing of this story is not that she cleaned her house and she finds it. Is when she finds it, she does what? She calls her friends and throws a party. She's spending the $160. Huh? Don't you find it weird? She spends it. So the value of a soul, that's what really Jesus was teaching, was each sheep, each person has a value so when you look at somebody you see a value in the mind in the heart in the eyes of God and he should have or she should have the same value in my heart 
because I don't see the lady that is in front of me. I see the child of God or I see somebody who wants to be a child of God, who wants to know about God, and I should be the one loving them in Jesus' name. No matter what he has done. But is that what's happening in churches? I'm not saying in Montreal, yes, no. <laughs> we did with the Sunday school, I'll use the right terms. We, we did something Friday and it was so funny. We took a $20 bill and I, I was explaining as a $20 bill, as things were happening to Elijah, I was, I was crippling crumpling I was crumpling the $20 and I did it for 16 times and after the 16th time I put on the table my $20 and I came out with a brand new one I put it beside and there were three kids that were there they were helpers and worshipers so I asked the first kid which one would you take the one that is crump crumb you know thank you and the other one that is clean which one do you think the kid wanted who says the clean one Who says the crumpling? Well, most of you, you all got it right. They went for the clean. So I, it was a girl. So I said, I'll try with a boy. Or it was a boy that I, I, I shifted. And I asked, which one do you want? It's the same value. Which one do you think? The clean one. And then I went a third time. So which one? And they chose the? And I said, isn't it like the church? The appearance is more important. But in reality, we have the same value. Whatever you have, whatever you lived, whatever heart you went through, you have the same value as the ones that didn't go through it. In the eyes of God, you are precious. Period. No matter. So when I see you and when I look at you, I only see somewhere, a person, a tent. But inside that tent, I see somebody who's loved by God, period. No matter what you did, no matter where you've been, no matter or how high, how low, how wide your life has been, I see only somebody that God loves. Isn't it awesome? Page down. This is another tent, but in the 20th century, it's a home. <laughs> Those are my kind of tents. <laughs> Somebody asked me, you want to go camping? I said, if it's called Holiday Inn, yes. <laughs> As I'm growing older, it's yes. In this house, a little boy entered. He went to church. He was in church. His parents was churchgoers and lovers of God, lovers of Jesus and that little boy went to church every week knew his verses and he used to work as a um, newspaper boy and he went to that house and uh, came out a different person for six months he was abused sexually abused so he went into the house but what do you do when you arrive in church and that little boy comes to church. Who does he talk to? You? I don't know you. To a church that looks at the outside more than the inside? Are you really going to tell what happened to you? 
So that little boy just went to church, knew how to lift his hands, knew how to worship. He knew how to learn, read, and work. He did what he was told, and he just loved the Lord, and it just went six months, went by, and it finished until he came to the second house. And for there, for a couple of years, another man took over the first man for a couple of years. Where does he go to find help? Does he go to church? Of course, he has to. His parents bring him to church. So he smiles and goes to church, is baptized in the Holy Ghost and goes to church, lifts his hand and worships God with the hurt inside. And then the enemy starts to work on him because what? He's not telling anyone. So the enemy has free access to his mind. So as he goes to church, he starts to just be what he's supposed to be. The outside counts. So people look at him and say, oh, you're such a wonderful little boy. You know the Bible. Thank you, yes. You smile and you laugh all the time, yes. Without knowing that inside he's hurt, broken, and the enemy is starting to work on his mind. He starts leading worship. And when he's leading worship, he doesn't want to tell nobody because he won't be able to read worship, right? Because he's ugly, he's dirty, he's not supposed to. The abuse stops, but the enemy doesn't stop. He continues after and just takes over and tries to kill that boy in his mind, in his tent. But the outward tent is fine. He smiles, he goes to church. That's it. While he's leading worship, he closes his eyes and the enemy tells him, you're dirty, nobody will worship, nobody wants you, God will want, not want you. So he closes his eyes and just trusts the Lord to touch the people because he's not worthy, because he learned that if he's not pure enough to lead worship, well, God can't use him. So he doesn't want to see the results and everybody will know that he's dirty if nobody worships so he can't see anything he just knows how to sing and how to do what he's supposed to do if a little boy came and sat beside you with a smile what would be your first thought he's going wrong or wow he's a little wonderful little christian huh Unfortunately, most of us would lose it if we knew. But you know as much as I do, you do the same thing. Isn't it true? Would you open up when they say, how are you, and really say, this was a sucky week? Can we say that? It came out, but uh, I should have asked before. <laughs> but would, would, would we really be honest and the second question I have for you, if somebody would really tell you that it's, a, it's not a good week, would you want to listen? Because if she's hurt, she'll show you where it hurts and you don't really want to know. So we keep it polite. How are you? Fine, fine. God bless you. I'm happy. Oh, I'm not fine. I'll pray for you. God bless you. I got to go to my seat. And we play. Isn't it true? We don't really want to know because what will we do if that little boy would say, I'm abused? What will you do? 
no, I'm not asking. <laughs> and she's saying, please, 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 please. Okay. When the, oh, yes. Would you like to meet that little boy? Page down. This is the little boy and his parents. Do you see a resemblance? It's me. The one who's talking to you. I knew how to do it because I was told how to do it. I knew how to walk. I knew how to smile. And I did not want to tell my father or my mother because you know sin is sin and God doesn't like sin. And if you're not good enough, you can't do it because that's how I was told. So I knew what to do. At 26, God called me into ministry full time. I had been working with children since 16 years old. I didn't want to tell nobody because you're not supposed to work with children if you've been abused. So I just shut up. At 26, I had to start working in the ministry because an evangelist asked me to work in the ministry. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to kill the ministry. I'm going to be frontline page when they're going to find out I was abused. And they're going to be what? Discredit the ministry. So I, didn't, I only said to the ministry, I'll tell you, but just in case, I don't want you to be shamed. So this happened to me. The minister looked at me and said, are you still in this? And I was going, in this? Still in this? And then he said, I said, no. He said, well, okay. He hired me and that was the end. That was my therapy. I don't blame the minister. He didn't know. He didn't know what to do. Like most of us, we're in church. We don't know what to do with people that are hurting. And do we really want to know? And this morning... I will not shame you or point you. My hand is out to you to help you realize there are hurting people among us. Can we tend a hand and allow them to be who they are? Can we look at them and not look at what they did? but just look at them with the eyes of Jesus and say, I am here for you and I'll pray for you. But not wait until you're gone. I'll do it right now. Because you have value in the eyes of God and I see God and I see how he sees and I just love you. So at 26, I started doing ministry Never thinking I was going to get married because who would want a man like me? So I was single and stayed single and just, it was just a dream. And I was, I was going and the more I was going since I had maybe a two or three people I started talking to, but nobody really, I didn't want to shame the ministry. So I just, just shut up and just did what I had to do. But eventually around 30 years old, I had enough. I really had enough. The enemy was just crippling me. Do you know what it's like when the enemy just goes after you and goes after you and goes after you? And everything you do is all negative in your head. And the battlefield is in the mind. And it's there that it's happening. And the enemy doesn't have to kill you. He just has to paralyze you. So he was trying to paralyze me. And he was going after me and going after me. And I'm doing ministry. And on 
the 20th anniversary of that ministry, I was the one who was organizing an, an event, and it was a flop, a major flop. And I just wanted to leave, and I had enough. So I was in the back, and I said to the Lord, this is it. This is it. I'm stopping ministry. I, this is too much pressure on me. I have to be perfect. I have to be the perfect assistant. I have to be the perfect. I, I, name it. I, I, I have enough. And I was in the back, and I, I just waited for the preacher to stop. And after he stopped, I said, I'll pick up everything, go home, and just say goodbye. This is it. I have enough. Couldn't take it no more. Have you ever been there? Where it's enough. The enemy is just telling you you're crap. And you believe you're crap. And the world is telling you you're crap. And the church, well, you go there. They smile. They pray. But they don't know that you're hurting because you're not talking anyway. If my father had known, he would have done something. But because I was not talking, he couldn't have known. When I said to my father, he says, I knew something. And I was going, you knew you did nothing? And then the Lord said, well, you didn't say anything. Huh? I said, you're right. You're right. You're right. But how could I? So I'm in the back. The preacher's here. And he's looking at me. And it's the last service. And I just can't wait to get away. And the, 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 the wonderful man looks at me and says, Phil, from the beginning of the conference, I just felt in my heart I had to pray for you. And I'm going, oh, gosh. I don't want to go in front of everybody. I don't feel like going in front of everybody. So I said, I'll make it fast. I'll go. He'll pray, turn around, go back home. And that'll be the end of it. And just do, because what do we do? We know how to do it. Lift our hands. If I can cry a little bit, he'll be happy. And I'll go back home. And it was easy for me to cry because all I have to do is think of what I'm living and I could cry. So that was it. But God. The man, I was in front and the man just laid his hand on me. And he started praying and talking about God the Father. And it wasn't a big prayer. It was just simple words. But the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me. And I literally just, I was like this. And I fell my head on his shoulder and started just saying, I can't take it. I can't take it. It's enough. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. And the man of God, thank you, Jesus, for men of God who doesn't judge. He didn't ask me what's going on, Phil. He just put his arms around me and started telling the congregation, please pray for him because it's a life and death situation. And I just sobbed my life there. And just, you know, just God do whatever. And God said, May I go? And I said, you can do whatever I can, you know. So as I'm praying and he's, and the whole congregation, you could feel the heaviness of the, of the enemy in my, my wife, who wasn't my wife, wasn't my wife then, was in the place. And she said, we felt all of the, on us, a, 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 a blanket of heaviness that fell upon us. And we just started sobbing. I said, well, what you were receiving was what I was living inside. And God literally took the heaviness out of me and put it on the congregation and they started interceding for me. And it was like, a, I was really like this. Covered by the prayers of the saints. So the enemy had no more access in my mind. 
I was free to talk to my heavenly father. And I started talking with him as if he was there. Telling him, why did this happen to me? I can't take it no more. If this is ministry, it's unbearable. You have to be perfect all the time. And if you're not perfect, they'll remind you that you're not perfect. So why? You don't. So as I was there, the only thing I, I knew what was going to happen next, either I fell on the floor or the spirit would do it. So I decided to me myself go down. And I just crumbled like this and went on the floor. And like an operating room, I fell. I stayed there and I started to shake like this. And I had a one-to-one with Jesus. And as I was shaking like this, the spirit talked to me and I was talking to him. And one of the things he did, I asked him is why, why? He said, one day I want you. And I say it because it's been so long that now I can say it. I want you to go and talk that I can deliver and heal hurt people in church. I want you to go one day and you will tell the abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, that I can heal a heart if they come to me. But they will not come if the church is blocked But they will come if somebody says, I've gone through it. Come to Jesus. He can do it for you. I don't care what you lived. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your future is. All I care is get an encounter with Jesus Christ today. That's it. And as I was, I was shaken. So forget about being losing your face I'm losing everything right there and I can't go lower than the floor so I'm there and the spirit just working and then he says do you allow me to go in your heart and I'm going oh you've been going everywhere and so he goes into and when he goes into my heart it's like the hand of the spirit or hand of God goes into my heart like this and he goes to the root of the abuse And I'm going, why am I shaking like this? He says, your heart is too hard. You've been protecting it for so long. I need to shake that dry land to take out every root in your heart. So allow me. So I said, you can go, but it's going to be a long, you know. (laughs) And as he's doing this, I see, not physically, but I can feel all of the hatred coming out of my heart. All of the jealousy coming out of my heart. Everything, the root of how I felt not worthy was coming out. And God was pouring his spirit of love in my heart. And I could feel the love of God in my heart. The healing was starting. You don't know what it's like to be in bondage for 30 years not 30, let's say about a couple of more than 10 years, and having the enemy go after you day and night. For when a God of miracles comes in a heart 
and says, it's enough. You can't have that child. And then he operates on that heart. You don't know. And you can't tell me there's no God because I can tell you I was not the same when I got up. Jesus has hearted something. And I knew that one day I would tell everybody about it. But it wasn't time to tell it. I needed to go through something called to be éprouvé. What's how? Tried. Tried by the Spirit to make sure that my testimony was good. Sometimes we say, I've been healed. Two weeks after we see they're in the hospital. If he healed you, what happened two weeks after? If that's the God that heals, well, I want a full one. I don't want a 24-hour healing. But I, as I got up, the first thing came in my mind, I'm going to get married. I'm going to get married. Two years and a half after, I got married to a wonderful woman named Céline Dubois. Nine months and two weeks after, Just as the Lord had told my wife we would have a daughter named Noemi, she came along. And she has been my partner in ministry ever since she was four years old until now she's 22. That's what God does when we allow him to go inside the tent and work your heart. But that's what God wants to do with you to help others open up and not be afraid. Be a safe zone. So if they say they're in drugs and they did it yesterday, you're not going, oh, I can't believe he did that. He's a Christian. No, we look at them and say, oh, get up. Seven, six times you fall, six, seven times you get up. So you get up and tomorrow will be another day. That's it. It doesn't mean that I accept that you fall. I accept that you get up. But practice getting up because it will happen and it will be more, less and less frequent as you go further. The less, the more you get God, the more you allow him to change your heart, the more you distance your falling. But if I'm standing in front of you today, I'm standing in front of you as a child of the living God who is not worthy of nothing. But because I am a child of God, he loves me just as I am. Point final. I cannot earn his love. He already loves me on the cross. He proved it when Jesus died for me. And now all I have to do is be somebody who points you to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus is there, grab on to him. And when he comes into the place and he's not exactly like I like Christians to be, I just allow him to be touched by God so he can be transformed by the power of God when God wants and not when Philip wants. Because Philip is nothing compared to God. But I want to be a hand, not a finger. A hand. And, and, and. Do you really think that in your church you don't have abused people? Are you that blind? Am I allowed to go there?
if you're blind enough to see that it doesn't happen, it's one out of four girls and one out of six boys. So let's do fast counting here. One, two, three, four, five, six girls. Hello? Do you really think they will be able to come to you and say, I've been abused? Or my husband beats me? Or I've seen my wife beats me? I've seen it. Do you really think the husband will come to you and say, oh, come, I've been abused by my wife. Are you kidding? He wants to hide it. But if he's in a secure environment, if he's in a place of love where Jesus is king, where the love of God is there, he will open up to you and you can fall on your knees and say, let's pray, brother, because there's a solution, but we'll find it through Jesus Christ. My love for the body of Christ grew from there. That's why I became into children's ministry at 16. I wanted to go reach the children that were hurt, but nobody was seeing because they were not seeing them because they didn't see me. I knew how to be happy. Believe me, I laugh. I love to laugh. But believe me, I don't like to show the truth of who I am. So what I'm saying to you today is no matter who is beside you, please tend a hand. And I don't want to point fingers. I'm telling you, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm standing a hand. I'm saying, will GT be a place, a hospital for those who are hurting? Is GT going to be a hospital for those who have been abused? Are you going to welcome them? Are you going to be able to say, come as you are and we will help you? You don't look like me and I'm happy you don't look like me. Isn't it awesome you don't look like me? You're unique. And I'm unique. That's awesome. You're beautiful. I'm beautiful. Are we getting it this morning? May I have the band, please? I'd like to finish with a verse. This is what Psalm says. The righteous, what do the righteous do? But they cry out, huh? They cry out. Don't stay silent with your hurt. Cry out. And the Lord hears. And he rescues them. He rescues them from all their troubles. Oh, did he say some troubles? What does it say? No, I didn't hear you. Oh, no, he doesn't take care of the abused people. He doesn't take care of those who are addicted. He doesn't take care of those who are struggling with their identity. He doesn't take care of those in the church who are hurt. All. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are what? Crushed. Where? where nobody can see. It takes the Spirit to show you what's going on in somebody else's life. And if we are, there's a gift called the discernment. Do you know about it? It's one of the nine gifts, you know. Maybe you have it. But if you have it, seek, find, rescue. Seek, find, rescue.
Don't go looking for everybody and say, oh, you okay? Do you have something in your life? I feel, don't go like that. It's not like that. It's simple. The gifts are operated in simpleness everyday life. I don't know why we made a show out of it. It's everyday life. It's something. It's like, it's like my car keys. I don't go, thank you for my car keys. Oh, they're glorious. My car keys. I have a gift. The car keys. Look, the car keys God gave me. And I come to my car, look at the car keys. And I praise the Lord for my car keys. No, I just go to my car, take my key, put it in. Boom, there it goes. The gifts should be operated in a simple way in everyday life. And without being bing bang the fanfare and, and, and we, we, we sell a book about one time that we help somebody. It should be everyday life. Everyday life. Did I, I'm sorry if I went too far. I love the body of Christ. So if I hurt anybody, I'm so sorry. But I really want you to grasp one thing. Be a hand. Be a hand. Be a hand. Be God's hand. Be God's hand with love. Have the same love that Jesus had for others. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.